I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 88. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Steve Ryan. He's a broker with TMG based out of Regina, Saskatchewan. He's been a broker for just over three years and he's absolutely killing it. Someone said, hey, you got to talk to Steve. And I said, I'm getting, I'm excited to get him on the show today. Steve, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business? Yeah. I mean, uh, you always hear different stories of people coming uh, from the bank world and the finance world and uh, sales or whatever else. And I'm, I'm none of that. Um, I, uh, I ran a group home uh, with kids with, uh, with um, troubled youth, I guess, for uh, four and a half years. And um, I was starting to get burnt out, uh, burnt out doing that. And um, I was always interested. I've, I spent too much time on MLS and looking at uh, properties and just had a fascination with real estate. But I knew that being a real estate agent wasn't for me, and I've kind of uh, I've been a numbers guy, and I'm a, I'm a I guess I'm a salesperson by nature, and that uh, I mean I'm a people person, but I didn't want to have to take a take a paycheck from them at the end of the day, so I uh, I did a little bit of digging around, and I talked to a, a buddy of mine who'd been a broker for um, at the time six or seven years, and uh, chatted with him, and took the course and started going. So. You say you had a group home that you ran. So I just, I got to ask, is, you know, running a group home, does that help you with working with realtors? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the kids, the kids are easier than realtors. Um, I'm, but, just, I'm just kidding. Any of my realtor friends who listen, I'm just joking. We know, it's not yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. It, it helped for sure. Well, help, I mean, obviously you make a Regina is a small town and through that I met a lot of people and uh, made a lot of contacts that I've done a lot of deals with. So I guess in that sense it helped. Yeah, for sure. Right. So you made this transition three years ago and what was the biggest challenge in starting out your mortgage business from sort of not from a banking background or a real estate background? Um, the, the way I looked at it was I just needed to get clients in front of me. I mean, I, I, you can, you can do all the reading, you can learn all the products, you can, you can do whatever you want that way. But, uh, if you don't have someone sitting at your desk who wants to buy a house, um, you don't, uh, you, you got nothing. So, I mean, I, what I, my challenge was, was just trying to get people, um, people to come sit down with me and get some pre-approvals and get some, uh, some deals in the pipeline. And, uh, off the bat, I mean, it was, uh, it's obviously tough sledding to go from getting that paycheck every two weeks to all of a sudden there's nothing coming in. And it, I just kind of hit the ground running. Right. Yeah. Anybody who's kind of, it, it, it can be pretty uh, painful initially and off the record, you'd kind of told me how your year and stuff went, but so what, what is something that you had done in that first year? Remember listening, what's something you've done that first year that you were able to make, get those meetings. Cause a lot of new people would say one of the big challenges is actually just getting like getting FaceTime and connecting. So what's something that you did that was really successful for you in that first year? Well, I mean, like I said, I didn't come from a business background, so I wouldn't have, I didn't have a, you know, a traditional uh, business plan or, um, I just, I kind of come from the school of, I believe in hard work karma. So if you're going to do something to promote yourself, um, it seems, it seems to work, whether it's, um, so my first, I guess the first thing I did was my wife and I had got married a couple years before. So I made sure that I found that list where we sent out the invites and I sent them all, um, a personalized letter in the mail just to tell them what I was doing. And I had seven or 800 Facebook friends. So I went and I sent them all a form letter, but I personalized each one, you know, so I said, Hey, Jimmy, how are the kids? Just so you know, now I'm a mortgage broker, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like, um, just from that, you know, I got a, I got a few calls and then, um, I went through, I, I tried, 
I sh- I tried everything. I mean, I, I, um, I'd carry flyers in my car and every time I'd see a for sale sign up, I'd go, uh, I'd stick a flyer in their mailbox that says, uh, when you're moving, give me a shout. I'd, uh, I went into apartment buildings and slid why rent, uh, things under people's door. I did, um, I did mail drops that I, I mean, basically any, anything that you could do for marketing that was going to cost you less than 10 bucks. I, I did it and I tried it. And, um, I think the number one thing when you become a broker is if, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it part time, well, I work at, I'm a bartender at night and I do mortgages sometimes in the day. Well, your pay is going to reflect that. But if you treat it like a full-time job, the pay is going to be better than a full-time job. You know what I mean? I, I made sure I had an office that I, I couldn't afford, but um, I had an office. So I go in from nine to five every day and uh, there's not a lot to do when you got two deals in the pipeline for the next uh, few months, but I could have spent the time on ESPN or Facebook, but I just, I would, I would look up random realtors on, uh, on MLS and give them a call and see if they wanted to grab a coffee because they couldn't afford lunch, but I'd take them for a coffee and, uh, any, anything I go through Facebook feeds and see where people had, uh, posted a house that was for sale and anyone who commented on it, I'd send them a personal message to say, Hey, do you want to get pre-approved for this house? I would, uh, I'd really try, try anything to get, um, like I said, anything that didn't cost me money, I was doing it. Dude, you're a hustler. Now, out of those, I love the idea of the wedding list idea. So anybody, like, how crazy awesome is that? What Out of those things that you just shared with me, there was the wedding list, there was the Facebook friends, there was the flyers, uh, there was the, if you've seen somebody make a comment online, you'd say, so what was the one thing that you can say that was like, that actually turned into the, you know, the most number of deals for me? Um, believe it or not, the Facebook messages really went a long way. Like, I think people are used to getting, you know, a bulk, so-and-so is having a, grad sale here's the list and they get it sent to everyone but when you take the time to you know write your form letter but at the beginning you personalize it there's a lot of people who will just say you know most people ignore it but 20 percent of people i would say responded and they said oh i'm up for renewal in next june you write that down you know I, my brother's up for renewal do you mind if i get a phone number i so-and-so is looking for a house and i feel like i got a ton of leads just from just from doing that and i feel like if i ever get to a point where i'm starving i can uh, I, that's some certainly something i'd go back and do again right now you know no that's awesome so thank you for sharing that I, yeah when you told me sort of how you'd done in your first year i'm like okay you had an unusually productive first year most people are ready to slit their wrists and so i'm like okay what were you doing and obviously you were doing a whole bunch of things and i mean scott the big thing about it was that um at, at the time i had uh, you know i left a i left a job where i mean i wasn't making a ton of money i was making 50 or sixty thousand dollars a year but i i had no income and then I had a decent sized mortgage payment. My wife had just gone on mat leave with our, our first child. So she was making 500 bucks every two weeks. And um, my last paycheck had just come from my job and I had one deal closing in a month. And so fear kind of pushed me to, uh, to work hard. I just knew that if this wasn't, if this wasn't going to work for me, then, uh, you know, my family wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be in a good situation. So, um, I guess I was motivated by fear, and I think to some extent I still am. You know, I mean, that's uh, regardless if you have 10 deals closing this week, you worry that uh, you only got one next week and two the next month, so you got to panic and start doing something. And I think that's kind of what keeps uh, what keeps me motivated. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good, man. That's awesome. And anybody who's listening, who's kind of new, there's some awesome stuff in there. Go back and listen to it again, and and write down some ideas to get 
to build your pipeline. So before we jump into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote that's really impacted you. I love how quotes are portable, they're memorable. We have a bunch on the wall in our office now, like we've, we have this whole back room and it's like, you can't even fall asleep in there because it's so motivating. But so can you share a, <laughs> which, is, which is not totally true because you could still fall asleep, but do you have a quote that's really had an impact on you? Can you share it? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big football guy. I come from a football family and, um, uh, the, the quote that I, I like is from JJ Watt, who's a, a two-time defensive player of the year. And if anyone's an NFL fan, is just a, a freak of nature, but, uh, what, uh, I don't know if he stole the quote or it was, uh, his original, but it was, um, success isn't owned. It's leased and rent is due every day. Oh, that's so good. I mean, that's his. So that's kind of his mentality that you you got to get in the weight room, you know. And I I apply that to my business, you know. If uh, if if you think you're doing good today and you're gonna sleep until noon tomorrow, then that uh, that success can can drop off pretty quick. Okay, so success isn't owned; it's leased. You've got to what was the rest of it? Success isn't owned; it's leased, and rent is due every day. Rent is due every day. That is killer. And I happen to be a huge football fan, so we off air we can chat about football and who's your team. Yeah, my, my brother's actually um, the punter for the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, is he? Oh man, I love. Anyway, yeah. we could, we don't want to digress because in the industry, yeah. like <laughs> NFL fantasy football, people be listening, going, "What the heck?" Um, yeah. okay. So, how have you applied that quote? So, this idea of success isn't owned; it's leased, and you don't you have to pay rent every day. How have you applied that to your business or to your life yeah i mean i, I think it's just um, the idea of i mean everyone knows that when you're self-employed that if you if you like i said if you wake up at 10 o'clock or noon every day and come into work that nobody's nobody nobody cares it doesn't you know it doesn't uh, you're you're accountable to yourself so i just think i mean if i uh if i want to, if i want the results from my business that uh that i think i should have then i i know i got to come in and, and, and put work and work into my existing clients and work into uh, always building that pipeline. And that's just kind of the mentality I, I approach my business with every day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Uh, so I want to switch gears to uh, failure. I know that as a, you know, myself as an entrepreneur, mortgage broker, I've had failure, but there's always looking back, there's always a lesson in it. So can you share something that you had failed at, but looking back, there was a lesson in it for you? For sure. I mean, I think, um, like I said, getting, going, um, as hard as I did off the start, um, and in having the success I did early in terms of having numbers, I um, I didn't have a system in place. You know, I was uh, I'm I'm sitting with I'm not an overly organized guy. So I mean, my my office at any given time looks like downtown Baghdad. But it's um it's uh, to get a a system in place where I can have um have have a structure of how a deal is to go from start to finish. Whereas at first I was just you know, answering emails and uploading files, and there was no, um, there was no order. And I think, looking back, I'm sure I missed a lot of referrals just because the quality of my service wasn't um, wasn't where it should be. You know, I I'm, I always feel confident in front of a client um, in my initial meeting, but then maybe at some at some points there was some drop off in the quality of service because I didn't have that that right system in place to make sure that a smile. Uh, uh, file goes smoothly from from start to finish and um i mean it's still something i i don't know if there's the perfect system if, if anyone has it please uh please email me because i don't have it yet either but mm-hmm. um we're always uh always fine fine tuning it and making sure that uh that we have a system in place now with a with an assistant that it can it can go smoother from start to finish because i think uh as much as marketing making sure that that uh, that process goes smooth is um is is that client's potential referrals is better than any billboard you could buy. 
totally if you don't if you get the lead and then or you get the you know and then you make a mess of it because you have a bad process then it sort of defeats the purpose you got to work twice as hard uh, to continually refill your pipeline because your past clients don't want to work with you anymore exactly yeah i totally agree we're always tweaking our process here we're always trying to like squeeze every potential spot for problems yeah so i want to switch actually and talk a little bit about that now in terms of there's always like successful brokers always have a, a system and a process and they're willing to tweak them so can you share something on the administrative side that wasn't working the way you wanted and a tweak you made and the outcome you got I mean, the issue, the issue that I always, I always seem to run into on every deal was, I mean, as everyone knows, who's a, who's a broker, the documentation um, on some files can, can be, um, can, can be excessive. And uh, I mean, it's something that uh, oftentimes when we talk to our, to our clients, it's, they say, why do I need this? And you, you almost agree, you know, it's, I mean, it seems excessive that they need this, but I think um, originally I'd, I'd tell clients up front, just right up front, yeah, we need a job letter and a pay stub and 90 days banking. And now I just try and um, I find a little bit more about their situation before I have them in for a meeting just to make sure I say, okay, well, you have an existing house. Bring your mortgage statement. Um, if you can check, bring in your property taxes. If you, yeah, can you check for your notice of assessments and T4s and bring those in? Just because I feel like when you ask for everything up front and then there's one more small thing, it's not a big deal. But if you get, um, you ask for everything and then it's one more thing and one more thing and one more thing, the process can become uh, very stressful for the clients, you know, and like I said, that's uh, hurting, hurting your referrals. And I mean, now that um, with, with our assistant in place, I have a little bit tr- of trouble letting go of um, control. And that's uh, something that I'm always working on and uh, trying to um, tinker my process so that. Uh, after I meet with the clients, that I, I send them an email congratulating them that they've been approved and letting them know exactly what they need, and then I say I will CC my assistant on it and say this is what um, these are the documents you require. Larissa is our document specialist, and she'll help you out through the process. And um, and I find it's working a lot better when I'm uh, when I'm a little bit more hands off with the documents because, like I said, I'm not I'm not or, an organized guy. I'm not the kind of guy who look through a 90-day bank history thoroughly to make sure I'm catching everything. You know, I mean, to get a deal in front of me and figure out how it's going to work, that's, that's where I'm best. You know, that's, where, that's what, where my value add is the broker. And when it comes to finding the small things and the documentation and making sure it's correct, and that's just not my, uh, not my specialty. So I guess do what you do best and write a check for the rest is what they say, I guess. Yeah, actually, one of another guy interviewed said that, and I thought it was a great. I love that line. That's this idea of mm-hmm. yeah. uh, sticking to it. And a football team is a great analogy of a mortgage business, really. I mean, you should stick to a position that you play well and have a team yeah. that supports you. And you, a good, you cannot win football games by yourself. And so no matter how talented you are, if you want to build a big mortgage company, you also have to be thinking, okay, I need to build a team and share the load and... and have people specialize, right? For sure. Absolutely. So we talk about that a lot in our office. Um, so now let's talk about sales and marketing. So you did a little bit earlier, but tell me about a sales or a marketing initiative that you had that maybe wasn't working the way you'd like, and then a tweak you made in the outcome you got. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one, one thing, um, when I, when I think of, when I think of marketing, I, I don't, um, I, I maybe look at it a little different. Like I don't think of my marketing. I don't have billboards or take out ads and papers. What I think of is my market, my marketing and my marketing dollars and time is, um, time and money that I spend catering to my clients and my past clients, you know? So, um, one thing I, we always did is for, but I, I file it under my marketing is in every deal we used to have, um, we had these 
portable Bluetooth speakers that we'd give to our, our clients on that had uh, our company and name engraved on it that you could hook up to your phone and everyone thought they were great. But the problem was that so few of them were getting out because we had to, you know, our, my sister would take an afternoon to go drop them off and it just wasn't, it just wasn't efficient. So, you know, I mean, I've changed it to have, you know, part of the closing file as a thank you card, um, a Visa gift card with my compliments of Steve on it, and it's just so much smoother and more efficient. And I think um, just things like that in my, that I, like I said, I consider as marketing because I don't, um, I mean, like, I think if you took out a $50,000 loan and spent it all on uh, billboards and newspapers, I think you'd get 75000 back. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think your best marketing is spent on the people you have in front of you already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you spent fifty thousand on your clients, man, you could move. You certainly could move the needle in terms of an impact if you did it properly. For sure, and I mean, in the same thing. I mean, if you think of the cost it takes to buy um, a realtor who's a like-minded realtor for lunch is a fraction of what a billboard is, and you think you you probably get a deal from that realtor, but you may not get a deal from that you know thousand-dollar billboard. So it's uh, it's just the, the human touch that really helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to me there's kind of two business models that uh, the broker community falls into. There's the advertising business model, and then there's the relationship business model, and they're both totally fine. And yeah, they can both coexist. But I don't think that you can run both well. I think you have to pick which camp you want to be in because they're just different mindsets. And yeah, absolutely. You know, one of them is going to be high volume, lower margin, and then the other one's going to be lower volume, high touch. You know, probably yep. higher profit. Yeah. Personally, I fall into the relationship business. That's where I'm. That's what interests me. Yeah, for sure. I hear you. Another thing I've noticed talking to brokers is they they say that there's a need to diversify income. They say things like we need to get share of wallet. We should cross sell. So I just wanted to know what your take was on that, as well as if you are focusing on cross selling. Is there a particular area you're doing in the next year? Um, I'm I'm from the other the other school of thought. Whereas uh, I mean, if people I've talked to people who are able to do it and do it successfully. Um, myself i'm almost the extreme the other way i've uh i was listening to one of your um your podcasts and i took something from the uh the gentleman who was on there and they, he would i think he'd said he'd done 300 deals in the first year or something astronomical but um what even you asked him what he did and what he didn't do and um he said he didn't do commercial he didn't do a number of other things and i was kind of uh um, looking at my numbers and saying well you know, about two percent of my income is from B deals, and I'm spending, you know, ten to fifteen percent of my time. Well, is that really where my time is best is best used? So I'm uh, I haven't diversified my um, into insurance or anything. I I think it's better for me to be an expert on, you know, the four or five types of mortgages that I do than try and do te- do every type of mortgage as well as insurance and financial planning. You know, be a be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And um, mm-hmm. so, so for me, really, it's I mean, new to new to Canada, um, refinances, business for self, and your typical first-time home buyers is my bread and butter. You know, and that's where um, that's where I wanna that's where I wanna stay. And I think I believe in the uh, when it when it comes to insurance. I mean, we offer our our insurance, but I think I'm a I'm a broker for a reason. And uh, to, to be a broker on mortgages and offer one one insurance product doesn't really uh, doesn't really fit my mentality. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of fall into that camp too. I know there's some people that can do it successfully, but I like the idea of just being good at one thing. And mm-hmm. well, I also think that's kind of our, that's kind of our play at the banks, as we say, you know, like they're, they're just trying to get you in there so they can, 
you know, they're not making a ton of money off the mortgage. They want to sell you credit cards and credit lines and insurance. And But then for me to come back and do the same, I almost feels hypocritical about what I've been, you know, telling my clients for the last three and a half years. Right, yeah. So I'm going to move to rapid-fire questions. You can answer these with a little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Fear of failure. And what one thing or habit you think has made you successful? Treating it like a full-time job. Act, act like you've made it before you made it. You've got to show up and work, work your work week even before, uh, even before you have the deals in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Do you have like an internet resource software program you use to make your business more successful? I don't, no. The online thing, um, the, my online presence is definitely something that um, is lacking and is one of my goals to improve in the next, uh, in the next six months here before the spring. Right. If you could recommend a book for our listeners, what would it be? Oh, I'm not a big reader. Um, <laughs> I read a lot of articles. I... You're a football player. I want to hit something. <laughs> yeah, kidding. exactly. I, I, read my, I read my Twitter feed, which I have queued up perfectly for mortgage info and, uh, and uh, financial news with a good sprinkle of uh, Seahawks updates. Right. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's all good, man. So where do you think our industry is headed? Where's the opportunity? Um, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the, with where the industry's headed. I think, I mean, with, uh, as the, 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 the people are, I mean, I'm 31, the people around my age, um, it's not a hard sell to come use a mortgage broker, you know? So I think, um, I don't know where the numbers are now, but, um, the more education we have on people to people about what does a broker do versus what does a bank do? I mean, it's the easiest sell in the world if, if you can explain to someone what the actual differences are. I mean, we're providing something better to you at no cost. You know, it's a pretty, uh, it should be an easy sale. And if we can educate people, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about the future for our business. Right. Okay, here's the last question. One of my favorites, a DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes, sir. So if you could jump in the DeLorean and travel back three and a half years to your first day as a mortgage broker, uh, and you, had, you did pretty well, but what, what three things would you say to yourself to have a better, bigger, better business today? For sure, I would make sure that I talk to some uh, veteran uh, brokers about having a process in place. You know, like I spent, I went so crazy with marketing myself and getting out there that um, once I had the clients in front of me, I didn't necessarily provide the the service that I that I I should have. You know, and I mean, I'm spending time dropping flyers door to door when I, you know, I could have been tinkering my process and making sure that uh, those clients that I had in front of me were being taken care of and their referrals would have taken care of themselves. That would be the absolute number one thing. Anything else you would have said? To learn how to um, learn how to basically handle the the emotional swings of the um, the busy season. You know, I mean, if uh, it's kind of it's kind of odd to go from making you know you make two grand every two weeks and it comes in, and then all of a sudden you get a paycheck for twelve grand, and then but then you look and you don't have another one coming in for mm-hmm. six weeks, and then it's kind of. Uh, uh, it's it's tough adjusting. So I mean, if you can you can pick a number that's slightly less than what you made at your old job and just live off that, I think it's uh, it, it sets you up in a pretty good position. Whereas uh, off the bat, I didn't really have that luxury, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome advice. So, where can people find you online? I have uh, steveryan.tmgbroker.com. Email me if you, anyone has any questions to it. Steve at tmgregina.com. And anybody listening, you can get links at the show notes, ilovemortgagebrokering.com. You can get links to Steve as well as everything else that we've talked about. Steve, man, I really appreciate your time today, and I know you're going to continue to crush it. So have an awesome day. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Scott.